When your child is struggling, as a parent, you need support. Welcome to Beyond Risk and Back. I'm at the 46th Annual Psychotherapy Associates Winter Symposium. This is in Colorado Springs, and once again, I get my hands on the experts. The men and women who are speaking at this conference, the, the, the other people having booths here, this is where all the experts in the industry of mental health and addiction and recovery gather to share the information they have, and I wanna get it into your hands. So thank you for joining me on this week's episode of Beyond Risk and Back. I think there's a, a potent conversation to have around uh, gender-specific programs, programs for men, programs for women. Uh, you know, we've talked with uh, people from the Foundry. There are men's only work. Um, I'm talking with a, a representative from Women's Recovery, uh, Letitia Bader. Mm -hmm. I said your last name right. Um, what do, what do you do with with Women's Recovery? So I'm the Chief Clinical Officer for okay. Women's Recovery. We have two sites. There's one down here in Denver, and then we actually are um, heading up in the mountains, and we have a site in Summit County. It's in Dillon, um, because this needs to get out there. And yeah. so we're trying to grow as fast as we can, evidence-based, ethically, slowly, organically, um, right. to make a steady program, but to get the message out. And you guys, uh, you just told you you're, you're OP, IOP? I mean, we're IOP and OP levels. So IOP stands for, uh, in treatment jargon, it's Intense Outpatient Program. And so um, it's not like the rehabs that you would see on television where right. we go away for 30 days and kind of come back. But IOP requires um, nine to 10 hours a week of, we have group, um, individual counseling, and then we have case management. And I'll kind of talk about how that specifically is needed for women, addiction psychiatry, um, peer-led groups, and then support mutual aid groups like AA and AMA. So you're dealing with addiction, and you're also working with mental, some mental health, health? Okay. and trauma. Yeah, and I, I mean it's it's just kind of the the norm now because all Absolute. of us in the industry yeah. know these are inevitably linked somewhere Absolutely. along the way. The chicken and the egg, it really doesn't matter to us anymore. Nope. We're finding it all. Yeah. yeah. And we talk about trauma now on a continuum instead of just sort of waiting for that PTSD kind of, like the tornado and the car wreck to happen. Right. Because we talk a lot about secondary trauma. We talk a lot about compassion fatigue, um, a adverse childhood experiences. If you don't know, that's called an ACE study. That's out there. And think, it's free. And you totally can take free, the test online. Totally. <laughs> you can take the test for other people and see yeah. what, you know, you can take it for your kid. You can take it for your spouse, knowing what you know about Abs your spouse and go, Absolutely. oh my God, they have childhood trauma. And, and we talk about it not necessarily as a label, but to understand maybe potentially the risks. Right. There's a lot of statistics that even if you have adverse childhood experiences, sort of the more and more that you have, Maybe just the more and more you use tobacco, the more and more right. you might be open um, to suicidal ideation. To divorce. To divorce. Oh, yeah. That's one of, like, when I presented it um, with some psychiatrist long, long ago in a training, um, there was a, a doc that was just miffed that that was, like, an adverse childhood experience. So she's like, that's so normal. Divorce. Yeah. <laughs> and I said, it, and it shook up your entire life, no matter if it happens under the age of 18. And that's right. what we talk about sure. for the uh, childhood experiences. 
Um, and again, we talk about it as if, you know, if you tick off a couple scores on the ace, it's not a shame-based thing. No, not at all. It just lets us know that we may be more at risk um, I, for other things in the future. And I think what's so potent is that, you know, uh, again, people in our industry with our jargon and our culture here yeah. being in the, in the mental health addiction industry, we kind of all walk around saying, everybody's traumatized. Everybody's got addictive qualities. Everybody's, and this is just our kind of general speak. When you take ACE, you you see what the, the big brains have said. You know what? These things affect development. Mm -hmm. And it's m more than we all thought. Well, my parents got divorced. I was fine. Right, Miss Type A, you're great. Like, you know. Well, given what we know about the brain, you can actually maybe say fine. Um, because what happens with trauma is our brain almost like an injury, right? Like our body goes, oh my gosh, ouch. Right. And then it starts to heal. It may have some scar tissue. It may right. heal a little bit different, but we function afterwards. That's a so, great example. And, <laughs> thank yeah. you. Is it, my is horse it, people out there, we call it like pride flesh. Like <laughs> the, the skin becomes stronger. Yeah. In, in trauma, we actually learned that the brain kind of can become more agile. Um, Although some of those symptoms, we would say hyperstartle, right. hypervigilance, hypervigilance, agility, and hypervigilance, hypervigilance yeah. look a lot alike. I kind of joke. I said, I'm, because of some experiences, I might be like the fastest Seren like the fastest gazelle in the Serengeti. <laughs> I can read a room really quickly. Yeah. Um, uh, minorities and women are actually um, just because we are exposed to more traumatic situations, yes. more at risk, high risk situations. We actually are um, a bit more alert, yeah. I would say. So I I don't ever think about it. Um, we kind of joke for the PTSD. Sometimes we call it like a post-trauma strength disorder. Um, and your your brain does things that make you more resilient. And just like we can either experience it and kind of um, be worse for it or experience something and know that our brain is trying to bring us back and be more resilient. In the old story of the the warrior, the dragon, the princess, and the village, right? When I tell that story to kids, I said, this is not a story about a man rescuing a woman from a monster. Thank this you. Is, this <laughs> is a story about our virtue, rescuing our innocence from the shadow. And the shadow is an external uh, entity that has come into our village, our body, mm -hmm. to lay siege. That's trauma. That mm -hmm. that story, that that fairy tale, is the oldest story of trauma we have. Yeah. And if you think of the castle walls, these are our defense mechanisms, right? And we recognize as the story goes along that having castle walls, having walling up the village, that's boundaries. Not a, yeah, exactly. It's so when we start setting the sacrifices outside the castle walls so that the dragon doesn't get in. Dragon takes what it wants ever. And pretty soon we just become known as the village with the dragon until our king and queen, our prefrontal cortex, right and left lobes, starts working together yeah. to reignite the virtue to go rescue the innocence. And innocence is no longer innocence. She's a queen now. She doesn't, she doesn't, but that's what happens with the dragon. Now I'm 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 saying that little piece because now I want to jump into I want to I want to bridge that back to what you just said about okay. women and minorities and the amount of trauma they suffer compared to being a white male. Um, yeah, and I, and I and I think this is this is a piece that needs to be understood. I don't think there's a a, a minority or a woman who listens to this show who doesn't understand exactly what you're talking about. Amen. So, so let's just stick with that for okay. a minute, okay? Sounds good. This hypervigilance that begins because of the amount of attention you've had from men when you were 12 and 11 and developing early, this hypervigilance, how does this develop? How does this become 
a boundary and then a defense mechanism and then pretty soon hypervigilance. Well, we said that just um, thank you for making the continuum because I think often when we get into jargon, when we use it, especially like a diagnostic criteria, right. we either it's like a binary, like, oh, you got it or you don't. Yeah. Right. <laughs> and so what will happen is that our brain, um, fun fact, uh, the brain can pill up, pick up um, an environmental cue in three to five milliseconds. Wow. So when we're doing trauma work um, and our trauma, our grounding work, our skill sets that we teach at Women's Recovery um, actually work faster and better than almost any medicine, um, anything, a, a benzo or a Xanax, anything like in the streets. Right. Because what happens is we perceive our environment and our brains are just normally scanning using our five senses for threat. And that's what you do even from birth. Right. We kind of come out like probably kind of the joke is probably why we cry so much at the beginning because we're so overstimulated with sensory information right. and our environment feels pretty threatening. And so we learn to soothe ourselves, and then still scan and we're scanning and we're scanning. And so you think about environments that don't have a lot of environmental threat or they don't come at you. And that's what we kind of right. talk about the privilege. That's the privilege piece, yeah. is that the environmental threat does not affect right. me in the way that it would affect you. Absolutely. I do, um, whenever we get stuck on gender, I, I have a great Dane and a Chihuahua. Insert laugh here. Thank you. Um, but when we take them out into the world, there's uh, the Dane is a female. That gender doesn't matter. But no one approaches her. No one gets in her space. Right. They hold themselves at bay a bit, check her out. Yeah. <gasps> That's that. That's the wall, the yeah. castle wall, right. just because of her physical stature. And they always misgender her. We'll get to that later. <laughs> but um, but yeah. the Chihuahua, right, not the friendliest guy. Like, I joke, he's half my DNA, a little crotchety. But people, because he's, like, cute, small. They want to get right in the face. Right in there. And people and wonder we'll why touch. the Chihuahuas <gasps> are so barky and vicious. And Amen. It's a little skitzed out, yeah. right? Because their cuteness women yeah or they're dressing or their ability Mm, even that part is like sometimes even my preconceived notion right is that i don't need to respect that invisible boundary i don't need to respect that castle wall say that say that again go back because i brought up a a significant piece that is still used as an excuse how she was dressed absolutely you know and and if it's something that attracts me i'm gonna move towards that energetically physically but attracts or i think sometimes if i believe that i can dominate it i think about the lgbtq like population right if i kind of step up and i'm like hmm and we, our brain does that bigger stronger smaller more powerful it is our gorilla brain it's it's, it's extremely brain, subconscious yeah. Yeah. yeah so i'll take more space thus right if the dane is there you kind of go mm right or bless their hearts like a pit bull breed right. when we take gender and all things out i love to use dogs as you can tell and, and sports it's, it's a whole perfect. thing um the ladies laugh but it's that part where we can kind of go oh i'm like what about you you know nothing about that person dog's character right. but because of the things that you see on the outside you go you've made a judgment is this person safe or are they not you're you're perceiving level levels of threat and risk and so that's what we do with our environment like all the time because you work with women so much and and i, and I, I gotta ask a lot for the moms because okay. in my primary Done. audience we are in this place of saying um we're not going to change 
how we're dressed. We're not going to change when we go jogging. We're not going to change where we park our cars. We're not going to change. And because nobody else has to change it. Right? Every, do, do you understand what I'm saying? Is that, I do. And a younger me would have been like, well. <laughs> and now this is the part that has experienced mine is I pay more for the nice parking. Right. Because, because my brain goes off with threat. From when I, if I like make a stand and I'm gonna park where I park, right? Because I'm tired of having to change for the world. But I also know how much energy that takes for my brain. How how much alertness that I have to have. And that Mm -hmm. that's what I'm that's what I'm saying is how do you teach women to internally find their own comfort level with the idea that they still have to trade freedom for safety. And we don't have to. We choose equal- to. Though. Okay. Now that's. that's I mean, every piece. answer is going to be choice. Okay, because that's what I don't want to. Um, I don't want to. I, I don't want to trespass on yeah. on 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 that piece because choice. I don't understand it. Not because I I can't think about it or not because I can't consider it because I'm a white male, and I don't understand having to trade freedom right. for safety. The theorist would tell us that, like, our brain, like, stress yeah. with choice is still stress. We would be amazed what we can tolerate as wow. a human race. Stress with no choice is trauma. As soon as my brain registers, wow. I'm out of options. It will go into a freeze, fight, flight. Now, you and I are talking about this, and we're kind of shaking our heads. Right. And my little thought bubbles are happening because that I'm talking to you about really, really small, nuanced, somatic information that a person might experience if they don't feel safe. But imagine if you're tired of that, right? All of that information that your body's giving you. I don't know. You may drink. You may use. You may take drugs. You may, because guess what numbs that brain, that tiny little nuanced lizard brain that's picking up smells, sights, tastes that like would let us know what's happening in our bodies and our environment. And if you're tired of that, or maybe, I don't know, you have a lot of that in your environment, then you have this cup, cannabis of something, and you can shut it off. I, we're there. So I joke when I was in training, um, I actually got to work in a maximum security women's prison, and I was coming back to my supervisor, and we were talking, and, and a, just a physician overheard us. And they were like, oh, my gosh, like, like don't, don't tell people drugs work. And I was like, dude, we already know. They shut the brain off, and they shut the brain off in many different ways. We'll get back to our guest in just a second. I got to make a quick shout out to two organizations that have really helped out Fire Mountain and Beyond Risk and Back at our booth here at the Winter Symposium. First is Guayaki Yerba Mate. They have given us cases and cases of this amazing incredible drink to hand out to other people to get people in the industry of mental health and addiction to understand the benefits of guayaki yerba mate and brain recovery brain building i could i could spend an entire episode which i did by the way with one of the co-founders david carr so go listen to that beyond risk and back episode 
And you can always Google benefits, scientific benefits, scientific research behind Yerba Mate, and you will understand why we give this drink out to people in the industry. This is a hidden gem that is getting more and more popular. So please support us being supported by Guayaki Yerba Mate and go pick yourself up a can and get some for your teens. And then second, I need to thank Psychotherapy Associates Winter Symposium people themselves for letting us be here and broadcasting this show and helping us email all of the speakers to get the information that the 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 new cutting edge research in brain development addiction recovery mental health and i get to interview these incredible people and get their information into your heads parents so thank you to winter symposium and thank you to guayaki okay let's get back to our guest So I'm, we're talking off the air here, and I'm, I'm getting completely lost in it. You said, and I, I want to repeat it, with, with, your, with your niece, yeah. you could give two shits about what <laughs> she wears, and you care more about what she posts. And, and I want to I dive into this because... Although she's very fashionist, like, I, she's a fashionista, so she would be offended when she hears I'm it. sure. So I love I, that I'm she's sure. dressed really well. And because of her age, she's going to be offended no matter what you say. That is so, true. <laughs> <laughs> but I want to I jump into, into this yeah. arena with you because I think this is a piece about working with women that men who work with men, we still don't understand. I when I teach martial arts to the to the girls in our facility and the yeah. boys in our facility and I will show girls things that I don't show the boys like for example when we do our little kids camps I teach the girls how to get out of the trunk of a car and the boys watch the girls studying that why and, would and, you not teach the boys? Well, I'll tell you, uh, because these boys are of the age where it's not going to happen to them anymore. And what I tell the boys is this is going to happen. This is the type of thing that girls need to think about until they're grandmas. They don't need to, right? We choose. Now, we, this we, is. We are forced Forced to and choose to. Forced to, I get. I don't understand the choose to, and I don't understand your use of that. So please explain right. that. So that's what happens with trauma, is that at, at parts of our brain, we get tired. And so I, choice has to happen with a sober brain. Choice has to happen with a brain that's not overloaded with anxiety, depression, right? Like there right. gets, either for mental health, addiction, or trauma, we get to a place we can't choose. And that's why I say we're, when we're so overloaded, our brain goes into a freeze, fight, flight. Yes. That's instinctual. Yes. I am, uh, choices in the sophisticated parts of my brain and instincts are in the base part, like the lizard part. The back of the brain. Right. You know, like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, and that part where I, I, I laugh, people can hear that when I talk because if, if every time I start to do that quick and powerfully and maybe it's even annoying, it does make you think, does she have a choice in this moment? Could wherever she got put into a trunk of a car, could she have been with more people? Could she have had a better, a different safety plan? Could she have not been impaired? Could she not be drinking at the bar, right? Could she just go to dance? Could, could there be things that we could do for our environment just to help ourselves? Like you use the castle. Yeah. Right? I'm like, like build a wall. I don't know, put some spotlights out there. Don't like make a moat, build fire, make it impossible, impervious for people to come in, right. right? But it's that part of like, I that's my choice now. I do things that I wouldn't do as a younger person or as a more angry woman 
that it was, because trust me, I had those years where I was like, I'm going to park where I want. I'm going to wear what I want. You, I'm going to post what I want. And then I'm like, that feels like it's inviting threat into my world. So, so when we talk about posting, and, and you said you care more about what she posted, it, it suddenly made sense to me listening to you why um, the, the social media connection concept um, is so safe. Ish, yeah. Ish. It's perceived to be safe because there's not a physical boundary. Right. But whenever we do safety plans, whenever we talk about boundaries with the women in our program, physical, mental, spiritual, and emotional boundaries. Right. So even as a therapist, I joke, I don't hug people. Right. Because to permeate a physical boundary, right, with somebody that we are so emotionally close when we're doing trauma work, mm -mm. I don't want to get your, your, cross, your paths crossed in your right. brain. Right. But in electronic media, that's what we're often, although we're not physically touching, we're not like doing the physical boundaries. Right. We are connecting emotionally and mentally and spiritually, connecting spiritually, like sharing our philosophies right. of life. The deep and darks, oh the shadow. My it's why we, I mean, these are the moms, I don't, hopefully I'm age of mom, but like we, hours and hours on the phone. Right. Hours and hours on the phone, right? Or hours and hours talking and talking and talking. You're sharing yourself. So you're bringing that person closer and closer into your boundaries. So then when you meet, if you meet electronically, and now we don't even have to try so hard because now all you have to do is turn on your video. Right, right. Now you have sort of this expectation that you're much more intimate than you are. Huh. And when I worked in the, um, with women, I say, like, intensity does not equal intimacy. But we get those confused. Lust is not love, but intensity. Oh my God. Oh, and he lights me on fire. And we're going to end right, she right, like, right. oh, and we spent these all time and we're bonding. And this is, oh, that's not intimacy. And we're a society right now that's pretty desperate for connection. Desperate that's for intimacy. Well, that's codependency. I'm willingness to sacrifice everything about my person for the sake of connection. See, that is why the sacrifice outside the castle walls so that the dragon doesn't come in will never work. Right. Because the dragon gets in. Oh, it'll, it's a smart dragon. If it doesn't get you one way, it's going to, I mean, it's, I, I think about right. it like a good basketball defense. Like if I, if I didn't get you the first time, let me like make adjustments. Trust me, I'll get in there. We'll get in there. Yeah. Working with women are, how long have you been working with women specifically? Um, I've been in and out of the, of the women's field for almost my whole career, but, um, I got, actually got sporn and trained in sports psychology and work with elite athletes and executives and everything and, um, ran a men's, uh, professionals program. So physicians, docs, everybody that would struggle with addiction, shockingly enough, yeah. um, it ended up being kind of men. <laughs> yeah. Right. Because women don't get to treatment as much. We're usually about nine years behind to get to treatment for men because yes. um, we kind of keep it together. We keep it hidden. Um, and then advocacy got the best of me. When you think about that, like we were putting together some of the most amazing programs where I was at and the population was getting delivered. The message, these amazing messages with all these resources were getting delivered mostly to men. Not that I don't love them, love them, have them around. I wanted the message to go to women. So Holly Wilson is my um, I got my lady boss. She's the um, the thought maker, the guru. It was because of her personal experience that we have a women's only IOP program. We're only um, uh, still of one in the Denver metro area, and I think about four in the whole state. Okay. Um, it is still my mission to say like IOP might be the most ideal level of care for women 
We don't, you don't take us out of our home. We don't lose, like, right. We have a morning group, uh, 9 to 12, so you can put the two-leggeds or the four-leggeds where they need to go right. and go to IOP. Um, and we stay up late, so we have a 6 to 9 because you need to work, um, get life settled, and then come for treatment. And so joke is we get up early and stay up late, but it's the schedules for women. It's what we do. Is equality happening? We're trying to make it. I, I, I'm, I'm a Title IX fan, like I have been my whole life. Yeah. And I just get up in the morning, I'm going to dedicate myself to offering like the best quality work um, and giving it to the population that I'm passionate about. I hope everybody else is doing the System same. System be damned. The, the, well, the daily I jo- norm, you're, 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 you just got to tune it out and keep yeah, going forward. Yeah, just keep doing it. Um, Dr. Barnes um, from the Foundry was yeah, actually yeah. Um, a previous boss and mentor. Brilliant and got man. up there. Oh, I'm first generation Barnes. I feel a little proud. <laughs> but he got up there. It was actually a mixed program. Yeah. And he shut it down. Like, And I went like, oh, my gosh. That's exactly what the research tells us. Sure. Um, because if you think about that, that five senses to sit in a mixed group, even at, I mean, like to sit in a recovery meeting for an hour and smell men and see men and, and body posture just in case or pose, or if you dress differently to go to a recovery meeting, that's a lot of energy that you're not focused on the message, but you're focused on your environment. What are, that's what, what are science tells us. Three things that you could bring the moms listening aware of that you could bring them in awareness to that they might be doing that is reinforcing those subtle patterns that's keeping them exhausted you know that that they could hey don't do that and you'll have just that much more energy like you just said if you go to your own meetings don't dress up for it just Just and i'll tell you what (laughs) in in our program when the girls come downstairs to begin the day and there's no makeup and the hair is not done we're like you're in she's like recovery has begun yeah and she's and and (laughs) the boys don't dare say a word <laughs> because all the the staff will unleash holy hell on the boys <laughs> you're not wearing makeup you can go back to your room right now and we'll, we'll come in there and talk a, a little bit everybody else just get the day going like it's it's there's there's so what are what are three awareness tips for the moms that are listening that they could just be like man i'm spending energy doing that and i don't have to it's like my like personal philosophy so you won't find it in a book just like baderisms I, women watch and we model. And I think when you talk about equality and equity, I think it's hard, it's hard not to see yourself in the public as a leader or a, or a president, right? Right. Like, and so it's the practice of doing it so that your daughters see it. And it's meditating. My, I have a four-year-old, and she literally knows what the call map is, and she knows that I will not talk to her for five minutes. Mommy's going to do her breathing. <laughs> right? I, I say out loud where I'm like, whew, I'm going to need a second. And she will literally see me reach for, I have a little safety kit, right, that has a different smell, a different touch. I have silly putty, a weird smell that helps my brain calm down. Um, and so she sees me do grounding skills. Yeah. And so it's that part of like, wow, like she was stressed and now she's not. Even for parenting, we use love and logic. Um, fun fact about mixed groups, they're only required to have um, five things that the state mandates. Yeah. We have nine. Want to hear the four that we're actually asked to do more? Yeah, please. Um, child safety. Parenting, because that would never, a men would never need that. Trauma and nutrition. 
We're held, we, we have nutrition. We we're have, held we to a higher to standard. You are. Mm-hmm. I'm okay with that. Well, we do I, that and then some. See, that, but that's, that's, I'm okay. That's the piece is that are you, are you okay with being okay with it? Like, yeah, I did my fourth step on it. We're all right. I worked <laughs> on my resentments. I do my program. You know, when I first heard, I'm, I was totally offended. I'm not. But, and I'm not because shocked. we're, I'm, I'm one of the guys who, when I, when my kids were. You're a feminist. I'm totally okay. Hello. Yeah, you're a fe- but, so is my partner. But I but, love it. You know, when my, when my wife went, went back to, to see her parents and everything and, and her friend calls up and says, is, is Chris there? And I said, no, she's with her parents. She's like, oh, are you Mr. Mom? And I was like, no, I'm the dad. Like, I don't. I, men need parenting skills. Men need nutrition skills. Men need, and, and it, I can't say it bothers me because I can't stand in your place and say what should bother you. And Lord knows no, white that, men no, have am tried. I, am I unaffected? <laughs> Thank you. We, uh, am I unaffected? No. Okay. But I have a program. I have, and that's what I say, like the, the things that I would offer women, do your skills. In, so the things that have crippled us, I would say for my generation, is my, I never saw my mom, air quotes, lose it. Because she would go to the other room, right? right? She would calm down and kind of come back out. And I was like, well, what magic fairy pixie dust is happening <laughs> behind there? But I didn't know. I didn't have a, a way to handle anger. I used it through sport. Like, I saw my dad get mad. Right. And it was like, cool, that's what we do with anger. And I was like, oh, I, got, I learned quickly anger wasn't ladylike. I did it like him. <laughs> my mom would be cracking up because I saw both my parents. I came from a Germanish family, so both my mm. parents got angry. They there was yelling, but there was always that sitting down to dinner and the I love yous and intimacy with my. We family. We had that so, after, but it was like anger wasn't mom. I she was just a beautiful woman, and yeah. and if she got angry, we didn't see it. And so I think that's mine is like to go through a full range of emotions in front of people, and then see see your see the kids around you use skills see them if you're like oh my gosh social media is frustrating like i'm gonna detox and take 30 days off i mean the thing is is that you're like one of those goddess dragon hunters and that's what you're out there teaching and that's that's what has to happen and what we're we're still this is this requires a longer show. I want to do a longer show with you. Okay. I have a lot Thanks. of questions. Not bad for a first time radio show. No, so, this, yeah. this is amazing, and I Thanks. feel I feel very off center interviewing you, and that's good for me. And I appreciate that because that's where I flex. Is because once I feel imbalanced, I'm like the, now I'm in a now I build strength because I got to build strength when I'm in balance. Finding balance and everything. That's actually trauma treatment. Yeah, you just said it. That, get off center, get uncomfortable, and like breathe through expand it. Expand there. Yeah. Expand in that piece. And what I want to understand, because we know women are expected to uh, uh, do more and understand more growing up. Boys still get to be self-centered. Girls have to be globally conscious. And then at some point, we both have to become centered in ourselves. Girls when they're, women when they're 25, men whenever they desire. And that's <laughs> the part that seems to be changing. And I'm wondering, is it changing fast enough for women? I feel better about it. Okay, you feel better about yeah. it. And, and do women have the patience for men to get their shit together? Always. Why? How can you possibly have that? I mean, we're gonna go like Adam and Eve style, right? Like, I we were gifted with different. You want to know what privilege is? No white man would tolerate being treated how white men have treated everybody else. Mm. And and I don't understand it. I don't understand. That's why you start wars. It's okay. (laughs) 
That's why we. That's why we get Rosie the Riveter when you're off being offended in different continents. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. We got real political. We can. It's you talk about it as patience or glow. I'm honestly, I I am much more proud of the younger generation for what they are doing because the, these, of the connection. These millennials and Z, Ys and Zers are going to change the world. And I have the bless your heart. I am from the South. And because so much is done on a disconnected platform, yeah. social and media, I see the distress tolerance is less. Like we joke, like a post. <gasps> I'm like, set an egg timer. I'm like, I just want to see if you can handle what's happening within you. We um, let your glitter settle. We put glitter in little water jars and shake it up like a snow globe. And I'm like, don't do anything until that's every a, piece of glitter settles. I, that one is getting stolen. Yeah, right no, now. it's a, I stole it from. I hacked it off. Um, there's beautiful books that are written about women um, and their skills, but I love it because you can make it any color and it's fabulous and fantastic. That's genius. And you sh- oh my god, because that's what our body is doing. Yeah. We can teach them um, autonomic nervous system yeah, through yeah, glitter. Yeah. Right, because like your glitter's up here and your colors down here and your water, and then you just set it down and like I don't care what you got to do, let it settle. Let us before you touch a screen, before you. This is my parenting. Before you open your mouth at me, is you ask how we have patience, and I said it's a skill. It's not an innate. I was about to say it's like DNA, but it's not because that's what I love. Men, women, like binary fluidity, pant like they're noticing that we're going to be in a world where we're going to interact together and blowing each other up is like right. not the way. Although, man, the things that we do on social media really do feel like warfare to me. I right. mean, electronic bullets or real ones. How can people find women's recovery? Oh my gosh. Um, we sometimes get hacked on the internet, so look for that because everybody knows wonderful things that we're doing so they steal our um, <laughs> they steal our name. That's okay. But go to women's, always make it plural. Community is everything. Womensrecovery.com. Um, if you're in the right place, you'll see purple everywhere. We joke as it's a color of royalty. Yes. And we want to let women know that, that they deserve to get well. Okay. And, and connecting with you directly, an email, anything like that? You sure. Want to so do I admissions? do, um, I let me, I do admissions cause okay. I'd rather get you treatment than get conversations. Perfect. Um, so, uh, Brianna Severine is our admission, our director of marketing and admissions. Give her a call at five, six, two, six, one, eight, two, three, one, nine, or Brianna, B R I A N A at women's recovery.com. When you're in there, look me up, Dr. Bader. Um, I'll say anything. Say, Doctor Bader, incredible! Like, thank you for for knocking me off my center. You you are welcome. That's awesome. So early in the morning. So early in the morning, (laughs) and I would like to have a. I'd like to call follow up with an hour long show. I could have stretched this one to an hour, but I'd like to follow up with an hour long show and really dive deep into this. Thank you so much. It was an honor. Thank Thank you for your time. This has been another episode of Beyond Risk and Back. Thank you so much for joining me, parents. Please remember to give us a listen, a like, a subscribe, and share us with your friends, other parents who need the support. I have a few people I'd like to thank. First is Frazier PR. I'd also like to thank Your Cause Consulting. And I need to give a shout out to Deepin Productions. As always, thank you to Mental Health News Radio for hosting this show. And I'd like to thank Guayaki. Guayaki has sponsored our booth here at the Winter Symposium. And of course, all my fans everywhere, all over the world, thank you so much for making Beyond Risk and Back a number one parenting podcast. Remember, parents, take care of yourself first. 
your adult relationships second, and your children third, because in that way, we do our best work with our children. I'll see you next week.